Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. We're beginning our series in the Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael, and the subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon 5.2 through 6.3 called Wisdom in Time of Conflict. He says, honey, lovely one, sweetheart, I'm home. Here I am. And she's like, I got my robe on. I got that green mask on. It's over. (laughs) You, You had a window of time, buddy. I hear you knocking, but you can't come here. <laughs> and so there he is, right? And he anticipated the moment. Perhaps she did as well, but now she, she doesn't want to get out of bed. And he's knocking. I just want to say on a practical level to you ladies that men's egos in this area are easily bruised. Now, he may not tell you this, but I'll tell you. That if a man gets rejected by his wife in terms of intimacy, it will bruise his ego and he will probably go silent. That's what men tend to do. And so basically she's closed the door to him. Now there needs to be understanding in marriage on both sides, right? We've talked about how love puts the needs of someone uh, above ourselves. And marriage doesn't mean I always get what I want, when I want it, how I want it, etc. There needs to be a beautiful symmetry in marriage and patience with one another. But he's come with the expectation and she's basically closed the door. She says, no, uh, I'm, I'm tucked in for the night. And so what will Solomon do? What would you do? What do you do in moments like that? Do you sulk? Do you pout? My beloved extended his hand through the opening. Here's what Solomon did. And my feelings were aroused for him. My heart was thrilled within me, ESV. My heart began to pound, NIV. Solomon extended the hand. I was looking a little bit at the original language here and trying to understand what is actually going on, whether it's poetic or, you know, real. What did Solomon do? And some of you might remember that in the book of Esther, when Esther had that moment where she was going to approach the king, she said, no one can approach him uh, unannounced or uninvited. And the, the way that you knew you were okay is if he extended, remember, the scepter. And if he extended the scepter to you, you know that you had the grace and favor of the king. Well, Solomon is a king. And he extends his hand to her and it arouses her feelings. She, her heart begin, begins to pound because he responds in love. What does it mean to extend a hand to our spouse when maybe we're on a different page? It means to love them anyway. Uh, This is the spiritual application. He comes in grace to touch his lover. The core of my very being trembled at his touch. How, How my soul melted when he spoke. The Latin Vulgate has something very close to this. When he spoke to me, my soul melted. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, our hearts burned within us as he spoke the word of God to us. I want to be close to this lovely one who always loves me through thick and thin. 
whether I respond immediately to his knock, whether when he's knocking on the door of my heart, I always say, yes, Lord, whatever you'd have me to do, I'm ready right now. Here I am. Send me. Or if I respond rather slowly, or maybe you're in a season right now where your response has been very slow to evangelism, to discipleship, to the things of God. Well, here we are. And so he responds in love. He is gracious to her. She says, I arose to open for my beloved. She's had a change of heart because of his love. It's his kindness that brings us to repentance. And my hands drip with myrrh. Myrrh can be solid and liquid form. My fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. Rather than knocking down the door, Solomon left the fragrance of love. I don't know if it was a hand gesture. I don't know if he just said, honey, it's okay. I know you're tired. I love you. We'll we'll talk tomorrow, whatever it is. But he was gracious. He left the myrrh of love on the door and it touched her. The fragrance permeated her being as well. And so she touched the handle, the handle that he respected The handle is on our side. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in. If you want to have close fellowship with the Lord, the handle of the door he will honor is on your side. The Bible will not fly off your nightstand. Turn off the remote so that you can be spiritual. You have to make a move. You will grow as much as you decide that you want to be closer with the Lord. There is a human side of this sanctification process. And so she was there. She made her excuses. And he loved her despite it. He extended her hand. Shalak is the Hebrew word. It can mean to send, stretch forth or send away. We're going to see both here. But I think that he gave the signal. It's okay, honey. I love you. Good night. We'll have coffee in the morning, whatever it may be. He didn't do this. That ungrateful Shulamite. I'm the king of Israel. I'm Solomon. Everybody wants, you know, my attention. There's a harem over there. I could have been with any woman I wanted to be with, but I came knocking on the Shulamite's door, peasant that she was, and she refuses me, Solomon, the king, could have done all of that. He could have banged on the door a little bit more because that always gets us, you know, a way, way further in our relationship. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll pout and I'll blow this door down. And then he starts quoting scripture. Don't you know, woman, your body belongs to me. First Corinthians seven, my body belongs to you. You start quoting scripture and you start rattling that latch you are a dumb person. (laughs) Because you know how far that gets you, right? Anger, manipulation, intimidation. Oh, it makes the relationship go so much deeper. Well, let me tell you something. You want to be with me? Well, you can cook for yourself tomorrow. And by the way, sleep with the dog for a couple of weeks because that's where you're going to be in the doghouse. And we start, right? You know, you know, you're just like, so-and-so. You're just like your mother. You're just like, (laughs) and we start throwing the barbs and oh, our relationship, boy, it's just going to (laughs) grow. You see, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. 
You and I must walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because my job is to love my wife as Christ loves the church. And as we mature and grow, we have to understand that there's two sides to that equation. Because a wife's job is also to love her husband and submit to him. And if there is a beautiful symmetry there, it will work. There'll be give and take. There'll be a wondrous compromise. But he does not begin the blame game, the huff and puff game, the manipulation, the intimidation game. If you do that, you're in trouble. So let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Maybe in those moments we can flip around and put ourselves in the other person's shoes and maybe say, well, I was late and she's had a long day too. And, you know, we, we, we got to try to move away from this selfishness. Proverbs 16, 32 says, he who's slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. The greatest obstacle to intimacy, says O'Donnell, is selfishness. You may get what you want in the moment, but you're not going to get where you really want to be. And so 1 Corinthians 13 tells us about love and says that love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. Love keeps no record of wrongs. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying if the Holy Spirit is really dominating our lives, then we won't use intimidation, manipulation, hate, etc. None of that will work. You say, well, what do I do if I'm in a situation where it feels like it's imbalanced? You trust your spouse with the Lord. You trust that if your spouse is off track, the Lord will discipline them. The Lord will deal with them. The Lord will speak to their heart. You pray for them, but you don't intimidate them or push them or do any of that kind of stuff because it gets you absolutely nowhere. He is their Lord as well. And so he responds in love. And she opens to her beloved, verse 6. She says, I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and had gone. Now, in the time that she got out of bed and, you know, had the epiphany that she should respond to him and got dressed or whatever it was, he left. And she says, my heart went out to him. And as he spoke, as he was speaking kind words, she had a change of heart. I searched for him, but I did not find him. I called him, but he didn't answer me. She realizes that his needs are her needs and vice versa. So she pursues him. She wants to be with him. He has won her over with love. One writer says, the Shulamite must now face the theology of hardship as the relationship stretches. Where is he? My tears have been my food day and night where others say to me, where is your God? Psalm 42, 3. I'm searching, but I can't seem to find him. Perhaps that's how you feel. Now, God's not far from each one of us, and we know that he lives inside believers, but we also know that we have some dark nights of the soul. A writer asks a question. Will you be fervent to seek the Lord without the feeling of his presence? Do you pursue him solely for your own spiritual pleasure, or will you pursue him for his sake? When the Lord withdraws the sense of his presence for a season, we can lose our joy 
and worship becomes a struggle. We may feel helpless and useless as God seems silent. No amount of pleading brings him out of hiding. These moments can test us severely, but they can also bring forth fruit that will remain. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners that the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now back to the Walkin' Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for younger children. Here's Pastor Michael. She wants to be with him. He has won her over with love. One writer says the Shulamite must now face the theology of hardship as the relationship stretches. Where is he? My tears have been my food day and night where others say to me, where is your God? Psalm 42, three, I'm searching, but I can't seem to find him. Perhaps that's how you feel. Now, God's not far from each one of us, and we know that he lives inside believers, but we also know that we have some dark nights of the soul. A writer asks a question, will you be Fervent to seek the Lord without the feeling of his presence? Do you pursue him solely for your own spiritual pleasure or will you pursue him for his sake? When the Lord withdraws the sense of his presence for a season, we can lose our joy and worship becomes a struggle. We may feel helpless and useless as God seems silent. No amount of pleading brings him out of hiding. These moments can test us severely, but they can also bring forth fruit that will remain. You know, I I have to ask myself at times, because I've been a Christian for a long time. I became a believer in the late 80s. There's times when I feel like the Lord is as near as my breath. But there's other times that I don't always feel it. So what is my call? Only to love him in seasons when I'm really feeling it? That's the world. I don't feel in love anymore. I love him, but I'm not in love with him. What in the world does that mean? That can change multiple times in an hour, (laughs) especially traveling in an automobile. Will you be fervent and seek the Lord even when you don't feel it? Will you love your spouse? Because you made a covenant in sickness and in health till death do we part. 
or is it only when you feel it? Well, she goes out. Look what happens. The watchmen who make the rounds in the city found me, says the bride, and they struck me and wounded me. The guardsmen of the walls took away my shawl from me. Some believe this is a dream sequence. Some believe it's reality. She goes out and the watchmen of the city who should know who she is. She's the queen, the bride of the king. How dare they beat her and remove her shawl from her? But do you see the picture, brethren? The Christian life, sometimes, as we pursue our Lord, we get beat and persecuted. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. We sign up to love this beloved one, the one that loved us with and paid for our you know, transgressions in his own blood. And then sometimes we have family that disowns us and people who don't like us and people who call us names simply because we name the name of Jesus. Is it at that point that we say, well, I'm done. I'm divorcing this one. I, I, I didn't sign up for this to get beat up, to have my shawl removed. But that's when the relationship stretches. And so she throws on the robe, runs out to the streets, searching for him, and gets beat up. The watchman, says one writer, are like the majority of the religious leaders in Jesus' day. They don't love the king and they persecute the woman on account of jealousy. So the watchman beat her up and take her shawl and she pursues. These are times when our faith is stretched. These are times when we have a disagreement with our spouse and we say, I don't even know where that came from or I don't know why they said that or I don't know what's going on and the question is, will you love them anyway? Will you, will you try to find out what's going on? Will you pray for them? Will you be patient? Is she being disciplined? Is this a picture of discipline because she didn't respond to him? I'll leave that to you. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 says, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word, by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Husbands, 1 Peter 3, 7. Live with your wives in an understanding way as the weaker vessel, the feminine one. She's a woman. And grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. You cannot change your spouse. That's God's job. If you are on the verge, if you're in a courting relationship, you have gotten the best of that person as you date in court. Do you, do you all know that? They brush their teeth. They put cologne on. After you get married, it's over. <laughs> that may not happen. <laughs> Here's my point. If you think, oh, they'll change after we get married, you're in trouble. <laughs> no, no, no. You're getting their best right now. We have to change in the way that we love. And so here we have the biblical formula. We trust the Lord to change our spouse. We don't manipulate. We don't manufacture. And some of us have been waiting for a long time. And it can be hard. 
So there she is out on the streets and she runs into the daughters of Jerusalem. These have been kind of in the musical theater, the, the women, the bridesmaids and so forth. And she says, I adjure you, verse eight, if you find my beloved as to what you will tell him, tell him I am lovesick. I'm faint with love, NIV. I think she's saying, tell him I'm sorry. If you find him out in the streets and you run into him, tell my beloved, I'm sorry. You know, the essence of repentance in the church is to tell our beloved, Lord, I'm sorry. Do you know that that can go such a long way? The moment you decide to say, I'm sorry, pretty much ends marital conflict. But we're prideful. And so she says, look, if you find him, tell him I love him. Tell him I'm sorry. And they say, well, what kind of beloved is your beloved nine? Oh, most beautiful among women. What kind of beloved is your beloved that thus you adjure us? Why are you so emotional and distraught? What is so great about this man? Other people may look at you and your life and your priorities and they don't understand you. What, what's so great about this Christian thing? You go to Bible studies on a Friday night? Have you lost your mind? And if you get really serious about the Lord, other believers won't understand you. They'll say, aren't you taking this Christian thing a little too far, man? Church on Sunday, right? Well, they say, Describe him to us. What's so great about him that even in this trial you pursue him? She begins to describe him. His shining beauty will rush before us. One writer, and I'll leave it to you to decide if this is accurate, describes her description of him as one of the clearest, most glorious descriptions of Jesus Christ found in the Bible. The awakened bride pursuing her beloved gives us a poetic listing of virtues that many see as the virtues of Jesus. You've been listening to Wisdom in Time of Conflict, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, Chapter 5, Verse 2 to Chapter 6, Verse 3. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Hey, we'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from today's teaching or maybe from a previous teaching, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Hey, maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you personally. You can always email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Hey, and thanks for reaching out. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe as you listen to wisdom in a time of conflict, you might say, it's hard for me to say I'm sorry. It's hard for me to admit I'm wrong. Uh, what do I do to improve in this area? We, you might say, my, me and my spouse dance the same dance every time. We don't know how to communicate. We don't know how to um, have healthy conversation. 
what do we do? You know, years ago, uh, Dr. Gary Smalley did something called the drive-through talking method. And he drew a, a picture, if you will, a metaphor of a drive-through, like just imagine a, your favorite fast food restaurant where you order and someone on the other, hand, other end is taking your order. And he tried to teach this principle that when our spouse is talking, we're like the order taker. We, we listen. We say, do you want fries with that, etc." And then we change and they put the headset on. And, and the rules of engagement are you talk about how you're feeling and what you need. And you don't accuse. You don't say you never, you always, and you back people in a corner and then they fight, right? They're going to verbally fight back. But when you say, hey, honey, this is how I'm feeling and this is what I need, it lowers the temperature, if you will, and makes it easier to communicate. I would just encourage you, if you're having a tough time with communication, there's a lot of good books out there, but you might want to just meet with your pastor, small group leader, a wise Christian couple, and get some help. I know there's a lot of wonderful people who can help you out. We'll see you right here tomorrow. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner? Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with some of the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for only $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2, to chapter 6, verse 3, called Wisdom in Time of Conflict. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.